Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's can I... awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org app. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage you will find anywhere. We've got a big Friday show for you, our final one before Sunday, season opening game at Jacksonville. Yesterday, I focused on Green Bay's offense against Jacksonville's defense, so today I'll go the Packers' defense against Jacksonville's offense. We'll get into perhaps the most troubling matchup of the game and the matchups on the perimeter later, but it's first down, and that's a look at Jaguars quarterback Blake Bortles. Bortles was the third overall pick in the 2014 draft, and he's starting to pan out to be that franchise kind of player the Jaguars are hoping they are getting. He had a really big season last year, ranking among the league leaders in passing yards and touchdowns. When we had Ryan O'Halloran of the of Lockdown Jaguars and the Florida Times Union on the other day for a Behind Enemy Lines podcast, he provided a really good scuttering report on, on Bortles. And if you haven't listened to that podcast yet, I, I highly encourage you to go find the Behind Enemy Lines podcast that we had. Um, it's the first half is uh, me talking Packers with him, and then the second half of it is uh, is him talking Jaguars with me. So, you know, in that in that podcast, he provided a real good comparison. And he, he uh, linked him to Ben Roethlisberger. Now, you know, a lot like Big Ben, Bortles is a big guy who can move around the pocket. He'll extend plays, and he's perfectly willing to take three, four, five sacks in a game for that shot to make two or three big plays down the field. I mean, he's got sacked a, a million times in his first couple of years, but frankly, he doesn't care. He's a he's a, he's a big guy, and and for, you know, for a, a smaller quarter, quarterback, you might be concerned about the beating he's taking. But he's such a big guy. I mean. I mean, they, they get him down on the ground, but you know, he just kind of just shrugs it off. So, you know, the the one knock on, on Bortles, and, and it's a big one, through 18 interceptions last year. That was, that was one behind Peyton Manning's league-leading total. From the opposite end of the coin here, since Dom Capers took over as Green Bay's defensive coordinator in 2009, the Packers lead the NFL in interceptions by a considerable margin. And looking at just at the cornerbacks here, and I'm going to focus on the corners here, because Bortles, love, Bortles loves his receivers. So looking just at the corners, Green Bay since 2009, that's with again with Capers and Joe Witt, the Packers have 83 interceptions, and that's 16 more than any other cornerback group. Now, for uh, for some perspective on that, that's six, that, that 16, well, only two teams have had 16 interceptions from a cornerback in the last, since 2009, and, and one of those was the Packers. So, you know, really, the, you know, based on that, the Packers' corners could go interception-free this year and probably still top that list. So it, it's a, you know, it hasn't matter if it's been, you know, back in the heyday of Tremont Williams and Charles Woodson together, or you know, last year with Sam Shields and Demarius Randall. You know, it doesn't matter who they throw out there. Green Bay's corners make plays. So I, you know, I asked Bortles during his conference call with us on Wednesday. I said, you know, what's the next step in your career? And it was a really good answer. He said, "Quote: Probably just quit throwing the ball to the other team so much." I think if I can eliminate that, and I did a lot of stuff this offseason to try to help that out, whether it was mechanical stuff to be a more accurate passer or mental stuff to make faster, better decisions. Hopefully, I can help us out on that side of things and not turn the ball over so much. 
again, I mean, this is this is key for Green Bay and, and what I think is going to be a really close game. If Bortles throws them a couple, they got to go get it. And you know, Bortles, and I'll get into this in a minute. Bortles is not opposed to just to throwing the ball up there because he has supreme trust in his receivers. I mean, he's he's a really good answer on on this later, which. It, which you probably would never hear Aaron Rodgers say an answer answer like this, but he's willing to take some risks, and Green Bay's got to make him pay for those risks. And you know, another second key, and this will be, we'll get into this a little bit later too. Is you know, Jay Bar's O line has some questions too, and Green Bay's pass rush on paper is terrific. I mean, especially when you, go, when you go on passing downs, and you can put some combination of Matthews and and Nick Perry or Dayton Jones or Julius Peppers. Or, you know, J. Ron Elliott out there or Mike Daniels. They've, they've got a lot of, heck, even Kyler Fackrell could, could possibly contribute to that. They've got a lot of options to rush the passer. And, if they, and, they, and it would behoove these, the Green Bay to get a lot of pressure on, on Bortles and, and make them take some chances with the football. Before we get to second down, the NFL kicked off last night. Football is great, but it's better with fantasy football, right? You know, unless you got Blake Bortles as your quarterback, and then it's like having the angel on one shoulder and then the devil on the other, isn't it? You've got to root for Bortles to put up good numbers, but the Packers to win. So, anyways, FanDuel is back. And FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. They've got new contests starting every week, which means if your first-round pick gets hurt on Sunday, no worries, just redraft next week. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. New this year are some really cool upgrades and contests. Try beginner contests for new players only. I might do this one with my wife, Melissa. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head contest. Try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. You can even win big in their Sunday Million League. Set at $2 million this week. I don't know about you, but I could use $2 million bucks. You can play for a dollar, and there are choices for every budget. Go to FanDuel and have all that fantasy football has to offer. FanDuel, be sports rich. Try FanDuel now and get up to $50 in free entries. New users who deposit will get five free entries to NFL 50-50 Beginner Leagues. Build it up to $50. You get one free entry a week for five weeks. Value of free entries varies based on deposited amount. Go to FanDuel.com, click on the Join Now button, and use my promo code LOPACKERS. That's FanDuel.com. Promo code LO Packers. That's L's and locked, O's and on. Packers. Void where prohibited. Okay, on to second down, and that's the matchups on the perimeter. You know, Jacksonville's 2014 draft could really be a defining one for their franchise, which has had five consecutive seasons of not just losing records, but five consecutive seasons of 10, excuse me, 11 plus losses. That's bad football. But, you know, this, this, that 14 draft could really be the, the salvation here where you got. Bortles is the number three pick in the first round. And then in the second round, they took Marquise, Marquise Lee from USC and Allen Robinson from Penn State, a pair of wide receivers. Now those, as an aside here, uh, Green Bay took receiver Devontae Adams between those two guys. And then, you know, this is this is where teams really make their hay is Jacksonville grabbed another receiver, Allen Hearns, an undrafted free agency. And those three, look, Lee... Lee, I remember Lee, and before that draft had been linked to Green Bay as a first-round pick. Remember, this is going to be post-Greg Jennings, and you got some questions at receiver. So Lee had been linked to Green Bay. The Packers didn't take him in the first round, and you know he hasn't done much for Jacksonville. He's got 52 catches and two touchdowns in his first two years. Robinson, though, who they traded up to get late in the second round, 
has been a stud. He is a big, strong guy. He doesn't real doesn't run real well, but an explosive leaper. You know, he is kind of in that Devontae Adams mode. I mean, Adams is, I mean, not quite as big, but he's a strong guy. He's in, and he's a leaper. Well, last year, Robinson exploded 80 catches for for uh, 1,400 yards and. You know, I mentioned this a minute ago, but Bortles has trust in his guys, and he really has trust in Allen Robinson. You know, and I, as a follow-up to that last quote from Bortles that I gave you, I said, I said, you have to, is it kind of a delicate balancing act where, you know, you want to play too conservative? And he, and he totally agree with me on that assessment. He says, quote, I have all the confidence in the world in our guys. I would never consider Allen Robinson a 50-50 ball and it getting intercepted a bad decision. I'll give him that opportunity 10 times out of 10. I mean, that is a, a terrific quote. And I, and I know Rodgers trusts Jordy Nelson, but, man, Rodgers isn't throwing 50-50 balls too often. So it's, it's a, a great quote and, and a great great perspective on, on, on how they run that offense and their style of play in, in Bortles' risk management and how, and how Green Bay can really win this football game. And, you know, what? While, while Lee is disappointed – Last year, Hearns had 64 catches for 1,031 yards and 10 touchdowns. So, I mean, assuming assuming Lee takes a step forward, they, they've got a terrific three-man receiving core. And, you know, again, I asked Bortles about, you know, what's it been like basically growing up with that as a, as a group. And he said, quote, it's been awesome. It's been really cool. We all, we all came in together three years ago. So to see each other get better and grow and kind of find their identity in the NFL has been cool. I spent a lot of time with those guys. They're extremely good dudes. They're fun to be with, and they're extremely fun to play football with, and they make my job a lot easier. You know what else makes the job a lot easier? A tight end. And Green Bay's got Jared Cook, and I'm telling you, we'll get into this next week. But Jared Cook's going to go to the Pro Bowl this year. Write it down. He is going to be unstoppable, and he is going to carry this Green Bay offense to, to new heights. Well, J- Jacksonville's got Julius Thomas. Well, who, you know, If you think back to 2014, I think he scored like, what, 12 or 13 touchdowns for the Broncos, and he made a billion dollars at Jacksonville in free agency in, in 15, and it was a bit of a disappointment last year, you know, like something like 50 catches and five touchdowns, but, you know, they're, they're expecting bigger things there, and when you've got those three receivers and you've got tight, tight end, you, you can see why Bortles put up monster numbers last year. So that means it's up to Sam Shields, Demarius Randall, and Quinton Rollins to be up to the task against those three receivers, and... You know, I think the feeling is that Green Bay has really struck gold here with those guys. Obviously, Shields is an, an established guy, and and he, if you include playoffs, since he entered the league in 2010, only Richard Sherman has more interceptions than Sam Shields. So that I mean that that shows you the kind of player that Shields is. And you know, Randall was an was all rookie last year, and I and for a good a player as Randall is, I think Quentin Rounds might actually be the better player in the long run. I love his physicality and hitting ability, but. The feeling here is Green Bay has, has somehow revamped that cornerback group on the fly where they've gone from Tremont Williams, Casey Hayward, Shields, and Devon House a few years ago to still having Shields, but then replacing House and, and Hayward and and Williams. So we'll, we'll see. Because as, for as well as they played at times as rookies, we'll see what, the, we'll see what that next step is. And, you know... You know, Randall is, you know, not the biggest guy, and Rollins is not the biggest guy. So at times they might have problems with guys like Robinson, or you know, with six two and a half. But it's be a great measuring stick game for the Packers, especially when you look at that schedule 
and I went over this at some point here in this in this podcast a couple weeks ago, but they play a whole bunch of really good quarterbacks this year. So this will be a great measuring stick to see where Green Bay's corners stick up against a really good passing attack. And this segment of Lockdown Packers is brought to you by my website, PackerReport.com. To celebrate the start of the season, get two months for the price of one. Pick the monthly option and type in the promo code NFL Kickoff. That's NFL Kickoff, all one word, to get the deal. And Pack Report members get all sorts of great stuff, including the world's best preview, which I hope to get up late tonight, but it might be Saturday morning. It's basically six stories rolled into one, about 5,000 words, so it'll take you a half hour to read the thing. It's going to lead off with the Packers, the Super Bowl, and the legacies that are on the line. We're going to have a whole bunch of stuff on the Jaguars to get you ready for, a, for an uncommon opponent. And if you would like to, talk, if your company would like to talk to Packers fans, you really should be sponsoring this podcast. We're listened to by ninety-eight percent men who get in. We've got fantastic uh, sponsorship rates. So email me at packwriter two thousand two at yahoo.com for more information. Okay, enough with the advertising portion of the show. Let's get on to third down, and that's Jacksonville's running game. And, and to me, I, I spent a lot of time in and go talking about Bortles. I must spend a lot of time in, in, at packreport.com talking about Bortles and Robinson and those guys, but. This, to me, it could be is the key to this football game. Now, Jacksonville had a pretty good running back last year in T.J. Yeldon. He's a big, you know, he's a he's a Packers kind of running back. He's two hundred twenty five pounds. One off season, they went out and signed Chris Ivory away from the Jets. Basically, a clone. I mean, he's another two hundred twenty five pound guy, downhill runner, a punishing guy, and and this is he he's going to run run right into the teeth of Green Bay's biggest question mark, and then his D line and inside linebacker. You know, Green Bay is starting tandem on the D-line of Mike Daniels and Latroy Guyon. I think you feel really good about that. They've had terrific camps. I mean, Daniels is a great player. And Guyon, I mean, Guyon's had a great start to things. We'll see if he keeps this up. But beyond those two, what do they have? They have first-round pick Kenny Clark, fourth-round pick Dean Lowry, and 2015 sixth-round pick Christian Ringo, who spent last year in the practice squad. So, you know, outside of Daniels and Guyon, those three D-linemen, the other three D linemen have never played an NFL snap. So those guys have got to come out of the game. And there is no breaking in period. Those guys have to come out of the gate playing good football. And if they aren't up to the task on Sunday, Green Bay's going to get run over. And they're going to get run over because either A, those you guys aren't good enough, or B, Green Bay feels compelled to keep Daniels and Guyon on the field too long. And they're just going to melt under that Jacksonville sun. So we'll... Uh, it's big, and you know that that weather. You know, the last I looked, it is a real field temperature of 105, and that is, you know, some algorithm where they put humidity and and temperature in there and multiply it by 14 and take the square root of that and add eight and yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know how they figured out, but it sounds hot. So, and that's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a challenge to this group of D linemen, and they have to play well. well they have to play well right off the bat and. Jacksonville has some old line issues here too. I mean, as much as we focused on Green Bay's offensive line after the, after post the post Josh Sitton stuff, you know, Jacksonville has some issues here too. Their left tackle Calvin Beecham played one quarter in the preseason. Their left guard is Luke Jokel. He was their 2013 first round pick. I mean, he was supposed to be their left tackle. That didn't pan out, so he's at left guard. He played one uh, one quarter at left guard. Their center, Brandon Linder, is kind of a first-year guy there, moving over from guard. So then they got, you know, just like Green Bay with with issues on their left side because that sit move, Jacksonville's got some issues there too that Green Bay has to exploit. 
You know, then, then, you know, look at Green Bay's inside linebacker core. Do we really know about Blake Martinez and Blake Martinez and Jake Ryan? And Martinez played well in the preseason. He's, he's shown you a lot of stuff, but you know, he let's see how if he can tackle Chris Ivory in the fourth quarter to, to, on on Sunday. Does he have the stamina? Does he have the the tenacity, the mental toughness to get through this? And you know, Jake Ryan is the quote, veteran guy with five starts last year, and you know he's coming back from a hamstring injury. You know, played pretty well in that preseason game, but he also got outflanked on a touchdown run too. So, and the the one man depth chart after that is Joe Thomas, who had a guy had a good camp, but I mean, he's never proven that he can be an, an every down guy. So. We'll see. A lot of big questions. And again, we're, we're going to find out a lot about these guys on Sunday. And especially if they play Adrian Peterson next week. So we'll, we'll see if these guys can shut down the run. If they can't do it, they're going to lose. Finally, fourth down. And about a handful of us beat writers got a chance to talk to Mike McCarthy up in the uh, Lombardi boardroom at, at, at Lambeau Field on Thursday morning. For about 45 minutes, they sit down and, you know, you watch Mike McCarthy at Packers.com on TV, and he, I mean, he is just terrible, right? I mean, he's, a, he's terrible on camera. Well, as McCarthy joked to us, he is BBD, and that is boring by design. And he, he, wants, to, he wants to tell fans a little bit, but he says he, take, he takes after his dad, and that and his, dad always tell, his dad always told him, don't tell him anything. And that's kind of how he approaches his press conferences. But... You know, turn those TV cameras off, and he is fantastic. We, we get him every year at the Scouting Combine, Scouting Combine in a uh, restaurant bar um, conference room, and he's awesome there. And for 45 minutes, and we could we could talk for hours, but you know, apparently I had to go, you know, talk to his football team or some stupid stuff. So he was great yesterday. A few highlights for you. One, I have a, I have a story on this at PackerReport.com. I asked him about the youth of the football team and, and the youth of the NFL in general. Please go to PackerReport.com. It's a great story, and, and, it, and I go on to explain the Packers' salary cap decisions there. And, you know, this is the Josh Sitton stuff. I try my best to explain the rationale of, of young, 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 young. And that is, and young, 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 young means cheap, 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 like a, like a flock of chickens. So good story there. I encourage you to go and read that one if that, if that interests you. And then a couple other things. One, he was talked about scheme. Pete Doherty from the Press Gazette mentioned, you know, there was a lot of talk last year among, I don't know, if they're either really smart guys on the internet or if they're know-it-all guys on the internet, but who said they, Mike McCarthy didn't do, do, didn't do enough scheme last year after Jordan Nelson went down. McCarthy poo-pooed this thing here, and I, I wish he would have said this last year. This is a terrific answer. Now, you can believe this or you don't have to believe it, but that was a great answer, and I wish he'd have said this last year. It helped all of us out. He said, quote, I would say this. Am I going to beat you with a scheme, or am I going to beat you with fundamentals? I'm going to beat you with fundamentals every day. Scheme is a crutch. With that being said, we've got more scheme on our offense than we've ever had, ever. And that was a great answer, that he goes with fundamentals. And if you, and I've gone to Packers practices for, well, since 2008. It is fundamentals. I mean, they roll, they, it is, they have a bunch of long fundamental periods where, you know, it's Lyman, you know, working unison to get to their aiming points at the right spot, or or staying low, or or getting your hand in the right spot, or it's receivers, you know, working in this leverage or that leverage to run the right route. And it's it is a fundamentals based team, and a, and McCarthy goes into this later where because they are always young, 
you know, they, they've got to get these guys coached up. And he, he, and he said he, was, he wasn't trying to be critical of college coaches, but he said they don't coach fundamentals. I mean, college football, by and large, is a scheme-based game. And, you know, they have so many rules on limiting on-the-field time that that players come out of college just not prepared with fundamentally, and that's McCarthy's focus. Um, he's also talked about, you know, they've had, he's had five playoff losses on the last play. I mean, you, you know the history, including the NFC Championship game in 14 and then last year's playoff game in Arizona. So Jason Wildey from ESPN.com with a great question there. Asking him, you know, he is an, he's an aggressive play caller and he does things aggressive throughout the week, but he was taking a couple of conservative routes, including going for the extra point after the Hail Mary touchdown in Arizona and the field goals early in the game against Seattle. You know, the field goal thing, I never got the argument there. I mean, if you look at the second and third down, and, and, and McCarthy brought this up, too, in that fourth, first quarter of that Seattle game. I mean, they ran two plays on second and third down, and Lacey got killed because the Seahawks were just stormed through the line. So that's so why McCarthy went, went for the field goal there on fourth and goal. But the Arizona game, and I was critical of this. I thought he should have gone for two to win the game. And again, I'm telling you here, Intelligent minds can have differing opinions on this, and I, and I still have the same opinion after this answer, but a great answer here. He said, so why didn't you go for two? He says, we didn't have any two-point plays practice in regular personnel, two receivers. We had a play that I had great confidence in that I hadn't run all year that we've been working on in, in the three wide receiver set. That would have been my call if I had gone for it. My point is you go through the decision process and make an educated decision, decision and the result is what it is. Now, a couple things he pointed out there. They were down to a couple receivers. and Because Jeff Janis, after that Hail Mary touchdown, got hurt. And he was done. He was not playing anymore for the game. He was out. So I mean, they were shorthanded there. Which, to me, means you go for two. I don't care if you got a two-point play. I mean, pick, a, pick your best third and two play. In my, and this is my opinion here. Because, I, I, again, I still think that the odds of you getting two yards with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback... It's better than you driving 50 yards of the depleted offense. So, again, that's my opinion. But I totally get McCarthy's stance on that. And then the last thing here, and this kind of goes into the, the theme of this podcast, is he thinks the defense is going to be good. So we'll, we'll see about that. Here's McCarthy's take on this. I think our understanding on defense is higher this year than it's been the past two years. I think what you're seeing is we've been relatively young throughout our defense. Now you're seeing the maturity of these guys. Just look at our second-year players, just the way we perform through the preseason. I think this defense has a chance to be really good. Really good. Well, is this defense going to be really good? We'll find out on Sunday. And with that, that is the end of this episode of Locked On Packers. Have a great Friday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the game, and I'll be back on Monday morning to talk about it with you. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.